And a very good Friday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Friday Live on this October 23rd, 2020. I'm Jim. And this is Cheryl. Happy to be here and hoping you're having a blessed day and thanking you for taking some time out of your day to share the next couple of hours with us on uh, this program. And uh, we do have a very nice program lined up. Um, we're going to repeat an interview, actually, that we had back in the summer, but uh, it, certainly the content and the topic is uh, worthy of repeat. It's by Father Chris uh, Alar, and um, he has written a book called After Suicide, and it was a very powerful interview, so we thought we'd play that again uh, for you. And then also this hour, we're going to play Name That Catholic Tune, so you can call in and win a fabulous prize if you know today's tune. Next hour, our friend Father Jim Grogan, who is going to give us our reflection on this Sunday's Gospel for the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Uh, and then also Kathleen Beckman will join us next hour, and she's written a book called A Family Guide to Spiritual Warfare. So that'll be interesting. Of course, Jim Hoffman's here with the weather. We have music and talk and all kinds of stuff. So, we hope so it's a holy two hours. Yes, we hope you'll stay here. And finally, that you're going to replay that interview in the Diocese of Metuchen, or at least in what we would call our cluster in the Flemington. Yeah, it's more like a cluster thing, not really the diocese. In the Flemington area, you know, there's some seven or eight parishes in Hunterdon County, and they have uh, joined forces with ecumenical other churches, other denominations, and uh, some community organizations, and they call themselves One Voice. Mm -hmm. So our one of our priests would always go, I think there's a monthly meeting or something, and um, once a, a quarter, I believe, they are focusing on a theme to try to educate, you know, maybe maybe the opioid crisis mm -hmm. or something and educate people and have um, phone numbers where people can call and get further information or get assistance or sign up for some sort of program. Mm -hmm. Well, this quarter is su suicide because we know that the suicides are on a rise as a result of the depressions right. and how people are so forlorn with the pandemic right. and all the things that unfold as a result of that. So on this weekend, all those houses of worship and maybe the community paper and the community hall or whoever it is, they're, they're focusing on, you know, the, the wrath of suicide. Okay, so that'll be coming up shortly. We're going to pray first, though, and we're going to start our prayer, as we've been doing uh, with the prayer for the United States of America. And well, we just had our lovely volunteers here today, uh, Janet and Elizabeth, who have been faithfully coming in every week and sending out your requests to the, for prayer cards. And lo and behold, they told us we're out. Okay, so we, we have just mailed the <laughs> last card. So, so if you have one, it's gold. All right. I ordered 5,000 of these back in so uh, you July. Win. You win because you said, I'm going to get rid of every last 5, one. 5,000 have gone out there. We've sent them all over the place, too. I think they've yeah. gone out to New Zealand. They've gone out uh, to other parts of the country, other dioceses. Uh, so people are praying and praying hard. So we're praying here. And we invite you to join us in this prayer, and then we'll pray our prayers uh, that follow. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most Holy Trinity, our Father in Heaven, who chose Mary as the fairest of your daughters, Holy Spirit, who chose Mary as your spouse, God the Son, who chose Mary as your mother, in union with Mary, we adore your majesty and acknowledge your supreme, eternal dominion and authority. Most Holy Trinity, we put the United States of America into the hands of Mary Immaculate in order that she may present the country to you. 
Through her, we wish to thank you for the great resources of this land and for the freedom which has been its heritage. Through the intercession of Mary, have mercy on the Catholic Church in America. Grant us peace. Have mercy on our president and on all the officers of our government. Grant us a fruitful economy born of justice and charity. Have mercy on capital and industry and labor. Protect the family life of the nation. Guard the precious gift of many religious vocations. Through the intercession of our mother, have mercy on the sick, the tempted, sinners, on all who are in need. Mary, Immaculate Virgin, our Mother, Patroness of our land, we praise you and honor you and give ourselves to you. Protect us from every harm. Pray for us that acting always according to your will and the will of your divine Son, we may live and die pleasing to God. Amen. And as Holy Father asked us a couple of years ago, we pray the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel and the Subtum Presidium prayer to our Blessed Mother. He asked specifically to pray uh, for the intention to protect the church from the attacks of the devil. We've added on to that intention to protect the United States of America from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael, Michael the Archangel, Archangel defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, Cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. St. Pope John Paul II, pray, pray for, for us, us, and Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray, pray for us. St. John Capistrano. Oh, so she stays today? St. John Capistrano. Pray for us. Pray for us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Is, he, is that the... Um, the Capistrano? Well, Capistrano in California. As in California, and didn't the they mission. suffer, were they burned or a statue or something. In Capistrano? Yeah, that's where the swallows come back every St. Joseph's Day. I hope, I hope I was just dreaming that. I hope that's not a fact. So don't quote me on that one. You were dreaming about Capistrano? <laughs> 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 I've been having crazy wow. dreams lately. Very I, specific. Yeah, I know, but crazy, crazy dreams. And I just, um, well, there's just so much to pray for, and there's a lot to be worried about, and sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, you know, you... You watch the news, and that's swimming in your brain, and just all sorts of things, you know. And it was simpler when the children were younger. It's like, do we go to the playground or we go to the zoo? Like, what? what's our dilemma here? How do you choose? And it was just so easy when they were younger, and now you just worry about all sorts of things. Mm. Anyway, I've been drinking this tea, and I think that tea is like a hallucinogenic or something. You're not been smoking it? <laughs> no, I've been drinking it. Uh, well, anyway. Anyway, uh, I sleep, but that's like my brain yeah, doesn't yeah. shut down. Burning Capistrano. Anyway, happy feast day to St. John of Capistrano. Uh, we'll uh, take a musical break right now, and uh, when we come back, we'll have the interview with Father Chris Alar uh, after suicide. A very, very uh, powerful interview, so we hope you stay tuned for that. So don't worry, my friends. A lot more to come today on Friday Live. Be right back.
Well, welcome back, friends. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, Father Chris Aylar is a priest with the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, the religious community entrusted with spreading the divine mercy message and devotion. Father Chris uh, wrote and produced a popular Divine Mercy 101 DVD. He is an international speaker and a regular host and guest on EWTN. He's written a brand new book, and uh, we want to talk about this today, a very serious topic, but one certainly that uh, is so important we need to bring it to the fore here. And it's called After Suicide, uh, There's Still Hope for Them and You. Father Chris Ayla, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Father, I know uh, in the beginning of the book you tell a little bit about your story, uh, that you had a personal um, situation in your family with suicide. Tell us a little bit about that, and I'm sure this is what was part of the impetus behind the book. Out of college, my grandmother had taken her life after years and years of physical pain and suffering that turned into emotional, uh, you know, just, just very difficult um, uh, circumstances for her. And um, we had never in our family experienced um, a suicide, and she took her life. And <clears throat> back in 1993, when it happened, we didn't talk about it for the next 10 years because as being a raised Catholic family, we just assumed that the Catholic Church teaching was that her soul was lost and that, you know, that she was uh, literally in hell. And that was something that caused us from never discussing it and to never be um, in any way uh, wanting to discuss it. Well, 10 years later, I meet a priest in North Carolina. I learn about divine mercy I learned about God's mercy being greater than any sin other than not accepting his mercy and um, found out that this is not church teaching. And so the first thing I wanted to do was to, in the first part of the book, was to explain what is the church teaching on suicide and why is there hope for the salvation of our loved ones. One of the big premises of it is that God being outside of time God knows every prayer that we'll ever make for somebody. Like when I lost my grandma, I didn't pray for her for 10 years because I thought that her soul was lost. But when I then learned more about church teaching and God's divine mercy, I learned that that because God is outside of time, he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he's omniscient, meaning all-knowing, so in other words, he knows every prayer that we'll ever make, and he has the power to apply it to help somebody, even at the time of their end of their life. It's a fascinating concept. And when I learned, I told this priest that, you know, I feel bad because I didn't even pray for my grandmother at the time that she was struggling or when she died. He said, well, pray the chaplet of divine mercy for her this evening and for her salvation. And I was like, well, Father, she died 10 years ago. There's nothing I can do. She's either in heaven, I hope, maybe, but I doubt it, but probably hell. And he said, no, your prayers can make a huge difference on her accepting God's grace and mercy at the time of her judgment because God is outside of time and our prayers can actually be applied through his omnipotence and omniscience back to the moment that she was suffering. And I was just fascinated by this concept and found out that this is in line with church teaching. And the more that I read about the Divine Mercy Chaplet, the more that I understood, uh, the more I realized that I could help her through my prayers even years later. And I'll finish real quick with this. Uh, 
one of the things we put in the book is a documented um, story from Padre Pio that um, his brothers documented that he was once being evaluated by his doctor, and Padre Pio's doctor noticed he was praying. And the doctor asked Padre Pio, what are you praying for? And he said, the conversion and happy death of my grandfather. Mm. And the doctor said, well, I knew your grandfather. He died over 20 years ago. And Padre Pio said, I know, but God knew 20 years ago that I'd be making this prayer tonight, and he will apply these graces to help my grandfather at the moment of his death. I was like, wow, this is powerful. So, yes, we can help even those loved ones we have lost years ago still today. You mentioned, Father, in the book, and it's always been one of my favorite passages from the diary, is the the conversation between the all-merciful Lord and the the despairing soul. Yes, yes. Let me just give a little little bit of it. You do cite it, and it it is so important. It's something that I think when you read it, and you you just there's such a relief that you know that even there in that that nanosecond or whatever time may be Mm -hmm. between death and judgment, that there that that the Lord wants every soul with Him in heaven. Yes, and this was something that um, God rest His soul, Benedict uh, Father Benedict Rochelle used to say that that Jesus comes to the soul three times at the moment of death. And I always wondered, where did he get that? Well, it's from the diary, um, paragraph 1486. And in that, Jesus said that I come to the soul three times at the moment of death, and I give that soul the opportunity to accept me. And everybody would say, well, gee, then I'll just wait till then and accept, you know, Christ when he comes. No, you know, we die in the state that we live, so we have to make sure that, we try as much as we can in this life to, you know, to embrace God and turn to him through the church, through our sacraments. And our prayers for those who haven't done so can also be effective. But the catechism, interestingly, in 2282 and 2283, address this because it says right in the catechism, we should not despair of the eternal salvation of one who has taken their own life. By ways known to God alone, he can provide the opportunity for solitary repentance. And when I read that, that ties to that diary passage you just brought up. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, how could God provide repentance to my grandmother? Sorry not to be graphic, but my grandmother pulled the trigger of a handgun and she was dead instantly. But as this priest pointed out to me, he said, Chris, do you not think in the time it took a bullet to travel three inches, God can't come to your grandmother's soul and work a miracle? And I never thought about it that way. Yeah, it took the bullet, you know, a nanosecond, as you say, to travel three inches. That's an infinite time for God. God, there's no time. You know, there's, there's no time for God. So, in the time it took the bullet to travel three inches, God could come to the soul and offering his mercy. Now, that's where my prayers come in, even from today, because those prayers can be showered upon her and give her more grace to say yes. We can't say yes for her, but our prayers can offer graces for that soul to be more inclined to say yes to the mercy of God. And that is why we have hope, as the first part of the book says, in, in for them. We have hope for their salvation. It's so beautiful, Father, that our Catholic faith is one of hope. You know, the people that are faithful 
it, it, part of it is because it gives us such hope, even in a time like this where the family remaining feels hopeless and helpless. We know that yeah. our faith will now we're educated that the the hope is for the deceased, but that there's also hope for the family. It makes me think of the um, when we pray the end, the rosary, and the end of every decade, lead all souls to heaven, especially those most need of Thy mercy. Right now, I'm right. sure there right. are many stages that the those that are left behind um, are are going to go through stages of loss, stages of grief, and I imagine every emotion is is normal, right? Yes. We, in fact, the second part of our book, that's why the first part we refer to there's hope for them, meaning the salvation of those left behind. I'm sorry, the salvation of those who have taken their own life uh, or have died. And I should point out, too, that this book applies to concepts and principles not just to suicide, but to any kind of death um, or loss, because there is hope for every soul. You know, because in the case of suicide, um, you know, they might not have been in their free, a fully had free will. You know, Mm -hmm. the catechism says there might be grave fear or psychological disturbances that affected the free will of someone. So, you know, um, there is hope for the salvation of those who have died. But as you just mentioned, there's also hope for those left behind. So that's why the second part of the book is called, And There's Hope for You. In the book, we provide um, a roadmap a roadmap, a spiritual roadmap of how people can, as one of the ladies that we wrote, they, uh, wrote about in our book said, you can never get over a tragedy like this, but you can get through it. And so, yes, we cover the, the classic uh, Kuba Ross and the stages of grief, but what we put in there was, I think most helpful, is a roadmap called the Principles of Divine Mercy. And the principles, spiritual principles of divine mercy help you to get through, not over, but through a kind of loss, even if it's not suicide, any tragedy. And the first, and I'll just summarize it very quickly, the first is it's kind of based like on the um, 12-step programs of AA and others. But the first one is we have to admit we're powerless. We can't change this fact. Um, you know, the fact is of reality that we've suffered this loss is real. Um, it's difficult, but we have to acknowledge that. Secondly, <clears throat> we come to trust that Jesus, the divine mercy, can restore our lives to manageability, that there is a way to get through each day. Um, and that's the belief we trust and we believe that it can happen. We can get through tomorrow. But then the third and most powerful stage is then we entrust, which now means we don't just believe it, but we do it. We entrust ourselves to God um, and to handing over our loved one um, and ourselves uh, to the merciful uh, God that can help in actively getting us through day to day. And so these three spiritual principles are laid out in the second half of the book to provide a roadmap, as you just said, to get through this um, and to get, you know, to be able to get the help needed to get through each day, as hard as it is, each day gets a little bit, you know, a simply little bit more easy to get through. It's never going to be um, completely uh, forgotten or we'll never get totally over these losses. But we can get through day to day and divine 
It's important, Father, now, again, we talk about divine mercy, and this book is so wonderful. It's filled just with that great hope that we trust Jesus, and we trust in his unfathomable mercy in all situations. And uh, especially for the family that, is, as we say, is, is left behind, uh, it's, it's wonderful to know that, and that you've done a great job of outlining this and helping people uh, through those times, because I'm sure there, there, there are just a gamut of emotions that are run through from anger to sadness to grief to, to mm-hmm. frustration and, and the human right. emotions. So. And I'll add that there's going to be questions that are right now on the earth are not going to go answered. So there's always that question mark and those things that will tug at our hearts that, you know, we just have to pray for peace that they can achieve as much closure as possible because right. there will be some unanswered questions that we, we can't dwell on them or we're driving ourselves into, right. a, you know, a, a dark oblivion, I would imagine. Right. And one of the things that we explain in the book is just that, the age-old question. In fact, the number one question given by people who state that they do not believe in God is, if there was a good and loving God, how could he allow so much suffering? Mm -hmm. And we go through in the book and explain that concept of um, God's ways are not our ways. We never understand, you know, in his ordained will, he doesn't want a death or the coronavirus. But his permissive will, he allows it. Why? And we go through all of that, everything from the gift of free will to the fact that he wants to bring a greater glory, a greater good. Um, And people are just so much suffering right now. I mean, the stats just came out now since the coronavirus. And uh, suicides are up hundreds of percent, um, you know, uh, this year as opposed to last year at this time. And this is all because of the isolation, the lack of social contact, the... Um, depression, the losses of jobs, and, um, and you know, it's interesting because we are fearful of the coronavirus, and, and we understand that, that we need to be prudent, but six times more people have died so far year to date by suicide than by the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And w- what's very disturbing is the hospitals, and I we understand this, um, are very much focused on treating the coronavirus that they're not they're denying um, they're denying um, admission to certain people who um, come because they're worried about them catching the coronavirus when they come with mental health problems and so the mental health problems are being neglected because they're being sent home saying we're too worried about the coronavirus and you catching it you just have mental issues you have to go home because right now we can't risk it. So these people are being sent home, and they are being basically neglected, not purposely, but as a byproduct of the concern and maybe sometimes uh, too much worry over over the virus and not enough worry about the mental health because the loss of a life due to mental health is just as serious as the loss of a life due to the coronavirus. Right. True, true, and true. Um, and if these people are tragically uh, depressed, uh, end up taking their own lives. What I'm sorry, if they are depressed, taking their own life, what a tragedy! Mm-hmm. And so we have to be very careful that we don't forget these people. That's right. A very important uh, resource, a great book, uh, After Suicide, There's Still Hope for Them and You, uh, by Father Chris Alar and Father has been our guest. So, Father, tell our listeners how they can find out more about the book. Absolutely. Please, we invite you to visit my website, suicideandhope.com. 
suicideandhope.com. And that's one word, suicideandhope.com. And if I may, real quickly, for a couple reasons. One, the book doesn't apply to have taken their own life, but the loss of anyone due to any reason of death. But you can also memorialize your loved ones on that site. And there's no fee or cost. You don't even have to identify yourself. You don't have to enter in an email or anything like that or your name. But you can actually place the name of your loved one on that website that you have lost tragically. It can be their full name, first name, initials, nickname. And I personally pray for each and every person on that website. And I also offer masses for those people on that website. And so on that, you can also find the book. Um, it's uh, There's a link to buy the book. And if you want to go straight to buy the book, you can visit shopmercy.org and get a copy of the book. Father, can you give that website address one more time for people to go to? Yes. Uh, please, if you would like to memorialize your loved one, uh, visit suicideandhope.com. There is a link to our book uh, there as well. Or if you want to go straight to order the book, you can get it on shopmercy.org or by calling 1-800-4-MARION, the number four and then M-A-R-I-A-N. Father Chris Aylara, great uh, being with you today, and we thank you so much for writing the book and sharing this beautiful message of, of divine mercy. I mean, the world needs it so badly now, and it's always a great joy to talk with someone like yourself who has such a, a great love for this particular devotion. Oh, thank you, and thank you for your ministry as well, reaching out to the people, and as you said, in this time of need. Thank so you. thank you, and God blessing to your ministry. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for praying for all those who have gone before, and especially for those families. And how beautiful that you're at the um, Marian Helpers in, in Stockbridge and the, the message of mercy and uh, Sister Faustina. You know, we, we have a beautiful Catholic faith, and, and I just hope this sheds light on many areas that were a little bit uh, confusing for people and, and that they would embrace our mm -hmm. Catholic faith. God bless you. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you, and friends, you stay where you are and come back with more. Don't go away.
Just here at Dimension Church Media, if he's still awake after that song, Jim Hoffman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks for the warning. I had to, like, throw cold water on my face. Beautiful song, though, beautiful song. Well, John Michael Tabbitt, he does lovely things, but it's, it's very soothing, so yeah. it does tend to maybe make you... On a late Friday you know, afternoon. Goes off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's probably good for adoration, but not for... Um, yeah. In the weather. <laughs> right. A side note: I went to a James Taylor concert and fell asleep. So, just saying. In back in the oh. way back when. Back yeah. in the day, went to James Taylor. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know you went to a James Taylor concert. Yeah. Uh, I mean, way before I even knew. Why? Well, I, I would imagine. Remember the Garden State Arts Center? Oh, sure, it's still there. I remember. Yes, yeah, yeah. okay. Bank Art Center, I think it's called now. Right, right. That's where. Jim, what was the concert you went to in your youth? Do you remember? Can you name one? Have you? Did you go? Oh. Yeah, so I, I went to a few. Uh, remember Sticks, the band Sticks? Yes. Back yeah. The, yeah. yeah oh. Back in the day. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, went, went to a few Grateful Dead concerts, but I won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I went to see in, uh, remember Fillmore East in New York City? Yeah. I remember yeah. the, the yeah. I was the Kinks. Oh, that's not like oh. it wasn't It wasn't my choice. I just went with a friend who had a ticket. <laughs> but yeah, Fillmore East, I saw the Kinks. Wow. Well, God is all. Then I saw Sinatra like ten different times. Carly, that was the best Sinatra. Yeah, that's true. I was going to say Sinatra fan. Sinatra, Carnegie Hall, Sinatra down in Atlantic City, Sinatra we saw it in Arizona. Yes. 
Well, it's always a joy to hear your your voice, Jim, and uh, on these Fridays. So uh, have, well, thank you. Have a good week and uh, everything working out for you these days. Everything's great. I can't believe the beautiful weather we've been having. I mean, it's, I the past few days, um, you know, have started out with cloudy skies, and you know, some days we have like mist and and just fog. Oh, lucky, but. Um, yeah, the last couple of days started out that way, but it turned out really nice. I'm looking outside the um, the chief meteorologist's uh, window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In a fine and, uh, window, it must be. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> My observation tower. <laughs> That's right. And uh, it's just beautiful. The leaves are starting to change a little bit. The sun is out. And it's just a beautiful, gorgeous day. Well, you know, we were sitting, uh, we were sitting out on the porch last night. Uh, and, and after dark, it was after dark, and we were out in just a little closer. And I said, "This is pretty good for mid to late October." Mm-hmm. Yeah, very nice. We have really, really nice uh, evenings outside. Mm-hmm. And as you said, I you know sit out on the deck, and um, just uh, it's, it's not cold like you would expect this time of year, right? It's not like um, the crisp, cool evenings like that we're used to in the fall, but. Right. Um, it looks like uh, it's going to get a little, a little cooler coming into next week. But um, first, you got to get through the weekend. So let's get into the forecast tonight. Mostly cloudy, low around 55 degrees. Saturday, we're going to have a slight chance of showers, mainly in the afternoon. That's a 20% chance, so it's not, not too bad here in the showers. Mostly cloudy, under 71. Saturday night. Partly cloudy, low 45, so we're all gonna, we are going to dip into the 40s. It's going to feel a lot cooler than it has been at night. Sunday, scattered showers in the afternoon. Again, you know, not uh, the, the chance of rain is about 30%, so it's not, not too bad. Some people may not see any showers. Partly sunny, or I'm sorry, mostly cloudy with a low around. Where, where was I? I just lost my place. Let's get back to Sunday. <laughs> So excited. I think I was on Sunday. That John Michael Talbot <laughs> really did put you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Sunday, it's the afternoon showers, um, slight chance. So it's going to be partly sunny, high 55. Then Sunday night, scattered showers continue mostly cloudy, low around 50. And then looking into next week on Monday, uh, mostly cloudy, high near 66. And then, as I said, next week looks like we're going to have highs in the 60s and lows are going to dip into the 40s. So it's going to feel a bit more like fall out there with a uh, just a chance of showers here and there during the week on Tuesday and maybe again on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Well, it is not too bad. Not too bad. Can't beat it. No, we, I guess we beat the hurricane, so that's good. Uh, hurricane season's almost over now, so nothing. The hurricanes right. in, in the Midwest. I know they've been having some snow. The upper Midwest there. Yeah. We missed that. All right. Well, the Lord is blessing us, and we're enjoying it. And uh, as always, we thank you for your great work and uh, your being a part of our domestic church media family, Jimmy. Really appreciate it. So uh, you and uh, Jack yeah. and the fam have a great weekend, and we'll look forward to talking with you next week. You too. Thank you. And God bless. I think I'll go back to sleep uh, again. You know? yeah. <laughs> there you go. God bless you, Jimmy. Thanks a lot. Thank you. God gave us night and day, for we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way, and it gives us so Catholic tune. Time to name the 
that Catholic tune. A no. happy little ditty, that is. No, this is more than a happy ditty. This is a very uh, pomp and circumstance, prim and proper mark. All right. So, listeners and viewers, by the way, we have viewers I see watching on Facebook and YouTube. That's great. Uh, here are the rules. Cheryl's going to give some interesting facts about today's tune. It's a Catholic hymn that uh, Cheryl has chosen to be today's uh, hymn of the day. Uh, so listen to the clues, and then she's going to play a little bit on uh, the Mighty Wurlitzer mm -hmm. uh, and uh, a little snippet from the song, the hymn. And then uh, when you think you know what it is, give us a call at 609-493-8255. That's 609-493-8255. But let her play the, give you the clues, and then she'll play a little snippet. All right, this uh, hymn, the text was born in England in 1864, so it goes back a good hundred, couple hundred years, right? It was matched with a very simple melody, though, by a different composer who mostly wrote songs for children, so it was very childlike, but they wanted to use it because the text was so um, beautiful. They want to use it for processions to visit churches and saints' shrines as they would process from church to church in the uh, English villages. So several years later, in 1906, they asked Rafe Van Williams, an English composer more known for his classical music, they asked him for a more regal march-like melody to uh, fit to this text so they could do their processions with a very regal attitude. The hymn basically gives thanks for those who have gone before us. The text acknowledges the unity of the Catholic Church, the whole church that the church has in heaven and on earth. So that it should give you a little bit of insight. Mm -hmm. My final clue before I play a piece, you could almost say at the time, of course, uh, contemporary meaning 1900, it was almost a contemporary version of When the Saints Go Marching In. <laughs> so here we go. Okay. 609-493-8255. That is the uh, number to call when you think you know what this is. 609-493-8255. And here's a little snippet from today's Catholic tune. Oh, okay. Six, I left you hanging on a cliff. You sure did. 609-493-8255. If you know what that hymn is, now is the time to call. 609-493-8255. Looks like we're going to have to play a little more of it because we have nobody calling in. Really, really? Yeah, try it again. Here we go. I'll play a little bit more. have a contestant calling in. Hi, what's your name and where are you calling from? Nick from Jackson, New Jersey. Nick Hi, from Nick. Jackson. Very good. And what do you think today's Catholic tune is? For All the Saints. Very good. Nick has one. For All the Saints is correct. Good, good job there, Nick. What parish are you with over there in uh, Jackson? 
St. Albert's. Very nice. Okay. And are you in your choir or music ministry? No, no. I, I, I've called before, and uh, my son, who's an inmate in Jersey State Prison, Very nice. uh, in Trenton State Prison, he... Uh, he was on the phone with me in my other ear, and he actually, he actually, uh, you know, we double teamed. Very All good. Right. All right. It's a family affair. That's wonderful. Fabulous. Yes. Very good. Well, God bless you and your son, and thank you for playing. You are today's winner for All the Saints is the correct team. I'm just going to put you on hold to make sure we have your information correct, so don't hang up, okay, okay. Nick? Stay where you are. All right. Thanks Great. for playing. And, friends, you stay where you are. We'll be back with more Friday Live. Don't go away.
Have you ever seen a word cloud? You know, one of those computer-generated maps of words based on the Well, congratulations to Nick from Jackson, who is our winner today. And uh, his son, who kind of that's right. put a clue or two. Double and team, they say. Dad's ear. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. That's right. He so, knows his hymn tunes. He knows his, his Catholic That's hymn. right. For all the saints. And we'll be celebrating that feast. Now, this year, it's on a Sunday. So, do we still celebrate it? Oh, by all means. Right? We still celebrate it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And then, I think we get two more weekends. That would be like the 8th and the... 16th and the 22nd already is Christ the King Sunday, mm-hmm. and then it's Advent. So not much ordinary time left. No, no three, three Sundays. And what an Advent it is! You know, I'm interested. To, we were talking about it earlier today because we're, you know, Thanksgiving is only about a month away. I know. And we we had the, oh we had a great great time this morning. We were able to go up and see our grandchildren and our few beautiful little. A brand new little baby Teddy mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about Thanksgiving. So how's this going to work this year? Because interesting, because then when I went back to church, I ran into um, another lady there. She goes, you know, our family's been talking. What are we going to do for Christmas? Mm. You know, and so yeah, it's tough. I know. I, you know, we've talked about it. We've mentioned to. I said we, we'll go get a COVID test, mm-hmm. and if we test positive, you know you. I'm mean, negative. You just, you know, <laughs> that's positive. <laughs> and, and you're not going anywhere. That's negative and, and, you know, stay put for a few days and right. see what the test results are. Getting back in one to three days, we found out. Right. And then that should clear us. <laughs> I just, it's been some year. I don't know. And, you know, as I said. Very challenging. It's not over yet either. Yeah. So no. I did I did hear there's an asteroid is supposed to hit Earth the day before Election Day. So. No, are you kidding? No, I'm serious. <laughs> It's the perfect twenty. An asteroid is on its way. It's going to hit the Earth the day before Election Day. Not not big enough to do major damage, but it is going to hit the Earth, they said. And you know who would have ordered that, right? I'm not going to mention any candidate's name, but it's probably his fault. Oh, okay. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be uh, having our gospel reading for this coming Sunday, the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time, and our friend Father Jim Grogan is here to give us the reflection. And then later on next hour, Kathleen Beckman has written a book called A Family Guide to Spiritual Warfare, which with Thanksgiving and the holidays coming up, you might need. <laughs> All right. Stay where you are. More to come on Friday Live.
Hi, I'm Cheryl. I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name Thy Catholic Team. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the gospel, communicating hope on these domestic church media stations. that St. Paul Street Evangelization supports hundreds of teams of evangelists sharing the good news. But did you know that some of these teams are public prayer stations? Set up a sign on the sidewalk and offer prayer and encouragement to those you encounter. Everyone needs prayer. Try this new method of witnessing to Jesus. Contact St. Paul Street Evangelization to get started at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. Want to work a virtual miracle for your church or charity? Here's something so brilliant yet so simple and meaningful, you have to check it out. It's an internet site called GoodShop.com. GoodShop.com has created a way that lets you support any charity of your choice, and it costs you nothing. The good news is, 700 of the largest internet retailers, stores you already visit online, have teamed up with GoodShop.com to give back a percentage of every purchase you make to your favorite cause. Before you buy anything online, Go to GoodShop.com, select the charity you care about most, and then click over to your favorite store. Shop as you normally would, pay nothing extra, and a donation will be made to your favorite charity. It's that easy. Visit GoodShop.com today and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity, and a portion of your Internet purchase will be donated to Domestic Church Media and enable us to continue to bring you outstanding Catholic radio. That's GoodShop.com, and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity. GoodShop.com. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing and something not complete. The, the deal clincher is we found our way to our, our parish. And we met just an incredible pastor. We learned things that we've never been taught. I wouldn't be the person that I am without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheehan. Turn over the pages of sacred scripture. What do you find? You find a record of men to whom God has spoken. And you'll also find a record of men who listened to him. In other words, scripture is fulfilled in concrete living dialogues. Now, men do not always want that dialogue with God. At one time, they desire it. At another time, they fear it. Adam was afraid when God called him in the garden. Cain was afraid when God spoke to him. Moses was afraid before the burning bush. When you and I have a dialogue with God, what makes it up? One thing that makes it up is, first of all, a consciousness of our own sin. And the other is the voice of God urging us to confess it, to seek his mercy. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Thank you.
Hi, I'm Mike Walsh, co-host of Talking Catholic. Every week, our show will bring you in-depth interviews with the hard-working people doing the Lord's work in parishes, schools, and ministries. Our increasingly secularized world often makes it easy to forget that we are surrounded by wonderful workers in the vineyard. On Talking Catholic, we will bring you their perspectives on how we can better serve God and our neighbors. Tune in to Talking Catholic on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Mondays at 4 p.m. This is WFJS 1260 AM Trenton, WFJS 89.3 FM Freehold, WGYM 1580 AM Hamilton, and WSMJ 91.9 FM North Wildwood, Cape May. Communicating hope on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. friends for another hour on Friday Live this uh, October 23rd 2020 edition. I'm Jim and I'm Cheryl. And we'll be here for the next hour and thanking you for being a part of our day. Obviously. It's still Friday. It's still, still October. Still October. Still Friday. Goes quick though, doesn't it? Remember, you remember the old days like when you... Chris, the old days. The old, the old days. <laughs> like Friday afternoon was you look forward to Friday afternoon. Yeah, you're energetic, you're excited, it's the weekend. The weekend, you took a nap, right? <laughs> well, I think that was Michael Talbot. And John Michael Talbot and his <laughs> lullabies. Uh, anyway, we are happy you are here. Coming up, uh, we're going to have our gospel and uh, for this coming Sunday, which is the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time, and our good friend Father Jim Grogan will uh, give the reflection today. And then uh, later on, uh, next this hour, we'll be joined by Kathleen Beckman and her book, A Family Guide to Spiritual Warfare, a very serious topic. And we'll talk about that. But first, we will uh, have our gospel for this Sunday. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Have you ever seen a word cloud? You know, one of those computer-generated maps of words based on the frequency of their use? Sometimes... I've used them to understand the message in Scripture, and they can often be revealing. I created one for our first reading this weekend from Exodus. I removed all the little words first, the, and, if, and such. And then I removed all the words that only occurred once. The result was revealing to me. The most frequent word by far was the word you which occurred 14 times. Next were words that appeared three times, including cry and poor. These were then followed by hear, alien, widow, orphan, and neighbor, along with the word wrong. 
There's always a link between the first reading and the gospel, and this week is no exception. The gospel speaks of love, of loving God and loving our neighbors. I don't want to oversimplify the powerful message from these readings, but in fact, we can very simply connect the two messages. The first reading from Exodus spoke loudly to you. It was a command from God, and the you which it addresses includes all people of goodwill, including you and me. We are commanded by God to hear the cry of the poor. And hearing their cry, we are commanded by Jesus to love them. So the lesson in our sacred readings this weekend is simple. We love the alien, the migrant, the refugee. How do I love them? I love the widow and others of our senior citizens. How do I love them? Who are those who are orphaned by our society? Do I even recognize them? Or do I hope they remain hidden from my view? Do I love the orphans of our world? How? How do I love them? Who are my neighbors? Are they the people who live near me and who are nice and friendly? Or are they angry, impatient, despairing, perhaps alone? How do I love all of my neighbors? This is our mission, our call and command from Jesus in Matthew's Gospel. We can summarize this with these words in our second reading from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. He became a model for all the believers, for from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth. As we come to this, the final Sunday in Respect Life Month, it's powerfully important that we remain beacons of the gospel in our broken world. Only God can heal the brokenness where our culture and laws are contrary to respecting life in all its pages. But from each one of us, the word of God shines into our towns and cities from within our homes. Let us each shine brightly as the witnesses to the gospel. Let us love one another as we love ourselves. Let us love one another as Jesus has loved us. Your heart, your heart, is alive. 
welcome back. Uh, it's uh, 10 after the hour, depending on when you're listening to or watching the program. It can be any time. 10 after any hour. Any hour. can choose. And then we get last week, uh, we had a, someone who was watching us on Facebook from New Zealand. Yeah. Right? A woman. A woman from New Zealand. Yeah. Watching on Facebook. That's right. Going around the world. And asked for prayers also, so I mm-hmm. corresponded a little bit with her. That is probably the farthest away you could possibly get from here. Right? I guess all the way down. Yeah. I've, never, okay. I've never been, but... Um, no. I mean... The flight alone is days, right? Well, it must be uh, hours and hours and hours. And then you get there and it's even another day because of the time change and everything. Hmm. I don't know. Wallabies? What do they have in New Zealand? Yes, there? wallabies. Is it Australia? Uh, um, oh, it's right there. Oh. Same thing. <laughs> they probably don't agree with that. <laughs> no. Same I'm, thing. I'm like saying the U.S., Canada, same thing. <laughs> I'm sure there's more accurate information. I'll have to watch my National Geographic. When we were um, in the secular world, way, way, way back, you know, you had a secular job. Adele, you've been working for the church for a long time since... Uh, yeah, since Joseph was born. So 31 years, almost mm-hmm. 32. Yeah. I've been working for the church full time for, uh, you know, I guess since 99 okay. in this capacity. Yeah. So we're very blessed because we can... We can pray anytime. We can go to the chapel, the Blessed Sacrament. We, you know, it's just all part of the part of our culture. Right, right. I but mean, my office in my in my parish currently, the office itself is right behind the tabernacle. I mean, if I put my hand on the wall, mm-hmm. I'm sharing a wall with Jesus yeah. Himself. So we're we're very blessed. But I remember when I was in the secular world back in the 80s and 90s, and uh, you know, you saw my office. That was like a little shrine. I had. All these pictures and things in my office. And I worked for FedEx, and a wonderful company. FedEx is their headquarters is in Memphis, so most of the suits came from Memphis. The big guys. The big guys, and uh, I remember they would come and and, and they would say, can, I, "Can we use your office?" I said, "Sure," but they could go in and picture the Sacred Heart. Uh, a lot of Southern Baptists. So. Anyway, my point is this: is that Church Pop has uh, six ways. To pray at work. So if you're in a secular job, mm. how do you pray while you're there? Well, I think when, quietly. Well, <laughs> there are some suggestions I'm going to share with you. Um, there are, you know, I know when I was when we were back in the in the in secular jobs, it wasn't as bad as it is today as far as mm. separation. You know, keep your faith out of the workplace. Right. right. I would imagine today, unfortunately and sadly, people are are afraid. Well, there's so much political correctness, and you don't want to insult anyone. There's there's an extreme caution to not say anything that might make reference to, you know, faith, religion, and even you know you can't even talk politics anymore. Well, see, one of my one of my jobs at FedEx was I was I was a trainer. I would train the, the frontline employees. It was a six week training course, and I would I would use scripture sometimes. I would quote from scripture. Nobody nobody batted an eye. Nobody cared. It was like, oh, that's interesting. Right. And I would you know just talk about. It. I, would, I was teaching customer service, so I would always use the golden rule and treat mm-hmm. others. You would have them treat yourself, and you know do one to others, and so I would kind of incorporate that, and then nobody objected to that. Mm-hmm. I would imagine today there'd be people who'd write you up for that and fire you over things right. like that. Cattletail on but you. But 25 right. years ago, it wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, Church Pop, which is an arm of EWTN, had something posted today or yesterday um, on six ways to pray at work. Uh, so I thought I would share one with you. 
the first one, they say, is put your headphones on. There are many resources online, the Holy Rosary, uh, YouTube, for example. On, on YouTube, you can listen uh, to while working, um, if you're allowed to do so. You can also put on Catholic Radio. Mm-hmm. If you have the free Domestic Church Media mobile app, you can put your, your earbuds in and uh, listen to these broadcasts while you're doing your work. I get distracted with that kind of thing. But yeah. <laughs> my music, mind music doesn't distract me. That that becomes like my soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But to listen to talk radio, that, that is hard. Depending on what your job is. Yeah, that's true. If you're driving a bus, you can do it. Yes, that's right. Or there was a secretary I, I was friends with, and she would put it on her computer. You know, do you go to the website and listen live? Our, she was in, it was our like my sister's media, but her office was like away from everybody else's, uh-huh. and it wasn't like... Today they have a lot of those um, like dividers. What do you call it? that open space? Right. You know, pods or yeah, something. Yeah. But she had a real office with four walls, and she would listen to the radio, and mm-hmm. you know, she loved it. That's one way. Now, now, see, look at this. This is how the devil's working out. <laughs> For some it disappeared. It all just got blurry. <gasps> it's a six days of prayer work, and, and the six ways that surround the icon I'm looking at are all blurry. Isn't that funny? Is your contact like? No, my contact. My, con- my contacts are in. <laughs> My contacts are, let me just do I'll pull it up again and see if it makes a difference. Isn't that funny how that happens? Mm. Uh, the devil gets in the mix, which we will does. hear soon yeah. when we talk about the and spiritual warfare. I'm looking for it. This seems to have even disappeared. From, oh, here it is. Six minutes. Okay. Let's <laughs> see if this works. <laughs> Interesting. Technology. It is. It's still blurry. Look at that. Wow. So I don't know what the other five ways well, are. Well, I'm <laughs> Okay, so. What could you do to pray at work? Let's keep the phone number so and you, let somebody text you. What, what do right. they do? All right. You can text me here with uh, ways that you pray at work. Without. Uh, you can text to 609-493-8255. 609-493-8255. What are ways that you pray when you're at work mm-hmm. that is not disturbing to other people, I would imagine? So this one that you were able to read is put in your headphones and then you have to. You can listen. The, the world at your fingertips, you know, different uh-huh. uh, devotions or listen to mass or now you could do the same thing if you have your lunch hour and I see a lot of people, they just don their walking shoes or their sneakers and they go out on the campus wherever uh-huh. it might be and they also have walk around the pond or something and you could do the same thing, listen and pray or just pray the rosary. Okay. Again, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I had it all lined, all queued up here, and it just disappeared. Well, we're just going to have to be creative. Yeah, I guess. 609-493-8255. You can text me, text us, and let us know if you're in a secular position, how you pray at work, mm-hmm. how you do that. You know, some people can, of course, you have to get your work done, mm-hmm. but there are, there are creative ways. I think I, I'm trying to remember one of the ones I saw here, um, was to uh, uh, offer your your tasks up as a, as an offering. Oh, that's things you might not want to do, but you offer it up and just do it peacefully and that's do it. You know, prayer. that's your prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, the little things, the little way, I suppose, like uh, Saint Therese. Now he can correct me if I'm wrong, Dan. If you're listening, let me know. You can text me too. I think it was Dan. Um, gentleman now that I, I know from, from the parish that has a secular position, but, you know, found others like-minded, maybe not even Catholic, but Bible readers, and they would go to work early 
and share some scripture or, or a scriptural passage or have a discussion about all things faith. So, Dan, with that cue, let me know. Well, I think people can people today may not appreciate that. Well, you would have to find someone. Oh, find, find oh, like-minded. No, 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 you just wouldn't call your team in and say, we're meeting an extra half hour right, and just, throw the Bible. We're going to no, pray now. It's just somebody that you know, that you've learned, gotten to know well, mm-hmm. and learned that they're a religious person. Let's, why don't we meet early and have our coffee and talk about scripture or a gospel passage or something? I remember when I was at FedEx in the many, many years, when I first started in the mid-80s, there was a wonderful woman there. Uh, her name was Evangeline. Mm, she was one, nice. of the, one of the trainers, and uh, she would have she literally had had a little Bible study in the in the break room with yeah. people. And, yeah, and she was doing. And I was very I wasn't surprised, but I was I was impressed because mm-hmm. I don't think if you with today's mindset you would actually see people being able to do that. And I do remember there came a time where the whole diversity thing started to creep right. into the workplace, and you had a you're getting memos about sensitivities and things and. It was getting creepy. There was a story not too long ago where there was a high school, and you know, you you start all these clubs, and you know, you want a sewing club or mm-hmm. a craft kit club or whatever it was. There was a group of uh, Christians that wanted to have a Bible study. Mm-hmm. So after school, if you didn't go to drama or soccer, they went to a room, and but then they said, no, you can't do that on our property right. because it was a public school right. supported by the state, and you're bringing religion into it. So mm-hmm. they were denied yeah. that religion club or whatever they called it. Pete says uh, he would pray at lunchtime in his car and say a silent prayer before critical meetings. Oh, that's very good. Holy Spirit, give me the word. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, that's, when I worked up in up in Montgomery County in Pennsylvania, it was very, really very close to St. Catherine of uh, Siena Parish, and there was daily mass during Lent that I enjoyed getting out and offering up my lunchtime. I wouldn't take my lunch. Instead, I'd go over to Mass for, right, uh, right. for doing that. So thank you, Pete. Pete would pray uh, at lunchtime in his car and say a silent prayer before critical meetings. That's very good. 609-493-8255. You can tell us what your uh, method of praying on the job was or is when uh, you do that. 609-493-8255. Um, and I'm trying to think, Chris, before my secular job. In fact, I was a high school religion teacher, so that was easy. Yeah, that was easy to pray. <laughs> that was easy. Although you had another job that was in a religious area, and he said to you, pray on your own time. Oh, I did. Remember yeah. that horrible thing? I was in another apostolate. The devil gets in there. And I would stop. I was actually stopped for adoration because I was, it was, I was doing my radio program for them, and um, uh, I would I would do it from home because we had the studio at home on one day a week, and I would stop at adoration on the way home and spend time with the Lord, and then go do my program. And I was told eventually, don't do that on our time. <laughs> but you know, the Lord is so good because here He is. He came to this this building and He's with me all the time. So. Not only a chapel, but He is here. Exactly right. That's right. Oh, good. We have another one. This is good. See, this is nice. When I'm at work, I like to go to the EWTN app or YouTube to stream adoration online during break. So there's an idea. Wow. Stream, live stream adoration. Um, very good. Live streaming adoration on the EWTN uh, app, if they have it there, I guess, or other YouTube live adoration streams. So that's good to have the Blessed Sacrament right in front of you on your desk. Oh, that's excellent. 609-493-8255. Help us out here because uh, the devil got into my mix here and, and destroyed 
what I was going to be sharing with you. Um, but you can let us know what how, what do you do and what did you do when you had uh, when you're at work to, in order to pray. And uh, that's a great idea. It's a live stream adoration. 609-493-8255. You can text your answer to us right here. And you know, it's interesting how you, you know, you're dealing with the technology. We recently had a staff meeting, and we're trying to figure out how we can accommodate the huge crowds that we usually get for Christmas. Mm-hmm. You have these overflowing congregations, and we're still having the capacity in seating, mm-hmm. and for our space, it's 150 per mass. Yeah. Well, you know, Christmas, you get six or 700. So we're trying to figure out all, we, we do have a, a large, um, large grounds and a campus with other buildings and other spaces. So we said, well, we could get those big screens and we can have, you know, try to set it up as beautiful as we can mm-hmm. and have them virtual right. for live masses in church, but it can be streaming across the parking lot in the gym or wherever you are. And they said, um, as we're praying over this, they say, also pray that the technology goes smoothly. Mm-hmm. You know, that you imagine all those people there to right. celebrate Christmas and the and technology goes <laughs> Right. Well, we were talking about that because, you know, we are going to have our radiothon on uh, December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. And we will have a, a, a very few people here in the building, but others will be taking calls from home. Right. And we have to use special technology to be able to do that. And we pray, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that mm-hmm. it all works. So maybe we pray it's going to work. But, uh, that's true. But with technology today, I guess there is like this this uh, listener who said that they like to stream uh, the adoration didn't have that 10, 15, 20 years ago. Exactly right. You know, but mm-hmm. technology today, of course, you could even be listening or watching anything mm-hmm. at any time. Right. I would imagine it might even be a little a little bit of a temptation to avoid work if I'm sitting at your desk and Especially get into something. adoration or watching math. Which I think also with working from home has got to be... Uh, That's got to be... Got to be tough. You have to be very disciplined. Yeah. People who... And then most people are doing it, I guess, still. Right. So many. So, right. And I can tell. I will drive, whether it's to here or work or running errands, and I pass, invariably, there are several train stations. We have big commuter area that they'll commute to Philadelphia or New York, and I'll pass the train station and only see, you know, 10 or 20 cars, where it used to be they would have over overflow parking mm-hmm. across the street or mm-hmm. something. They're not even taking the trains into the city. Wow. Uh, this uh, person said they have the Our Lady of Good Remedy card on their desk. Hey, good job. Then uh, he or she prays for their unit and work uh, first thing in the morning. Our Lady of Good Remedy, very nice. And then gave a few of these cards to others. So, passing out the Our Lady of Good Remedy card, that's great. Great mm-hmm. idea. Uh, still on workstation at home, from home. So, oh. uh, And then, uh, let's see, one more before we take a break here. Uh, I can't read that piece, sorry. Um, but anyway, that's uh, he sent me something, but it's too small for me to read. But we're going to oh. take a break anyway and get okay. with our with Technology our again. Technology. So, when we come back, we will have... Is that correct? Kathleen Beckman, mm-hmm. A Family Guide to Spiritual Warfare. And, you know, um, it was um, Lucia who said, before she passed away, the seer from Fatima said the final battle will be between Satan and the family. And wasn't it just a reading most recently about the divided household? Maybe it was last Friday. I forget. 
Oh, that would be gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's take a break, and then uh, we'll get Kathleen on, on the phone, and uh, we'll come back with more Friday Lives. So stay where you are.
Kathleen is the Beckman is the president of the Foundation of Prayer for Priests. Uh, she's uh, served the church for 25 years as an international Catholic evangelist, author, Ignatian retreat director, radio host, often featured on EWTN television and radio. And for over a decade, she has served on the Diocesan Exorcist team and is the administrator of her diocese exorcism and deliverance ministry. She's written a book, and it is called A Family Guide to Spiritual Warfare, where she offers potent advice from her 12 years of active participation on that exorcist team. And she shows us how to clean up our household by cultivating in our family a civilization of love. We'd like to welcome to the program Kathleen Beckman. Kathleen, welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be with you. We're anxious to hear about the book. <laughs> well, what would you like to know? Oh, well, first of all, I, I, I'm impressed that for so many years you were serving on an exorcist team. In what capacity would that be? Well, as it says in the book, um, I quote the exorcist that most people are familiar with, Father Gabriel Amorth, um, and he talks about exorcist assistance. So, you know, it, uh, think about it. It isn't prudent for a priest to be doing ministry on people that may have, be dealing with evil spirits, male and female, without a team, both for his own protection, for the protection of the bishop, for the protection of the soul. Also, there are certain things that occur during the rite of exorcism, major or minor rites, and um, a team is necessary just for the logistical part of it. So the role of assistance to exorcists is really one of helping to discern the spirits, intercessory prayer, because during the uh, prayer of the rite, the exorcist is uh, perhaps like leading the um, litany of saints, and then we respond, pray for us. Mm-hmm. We, you know, he leads the rosary or the chaplet of mercy. There are certain responses that are necessary, even in the rite that the team uh, supplies. So uh, logistically, there's always assistance and intercessory prayer and discernment of spirits and physical protection. Mm. So you would have been physically there during some of these exorcisms. Um, I have been physically there at all of them wow. over the last 12 years, yes, major and minor exorcisms. Mm-hmm. Most, of the, most of the time the prayer sessions <clears throat> for deliverance are minor exorcism prayers, so they fall short of the formal rite of exorcism, but mm-hmm. there have been a number of uh, major rites of exorcism that I've been uh, present to, not only in the capacity uh, of administrator for my diocese, but... Um, as faculty member for the Pope Leo XIII Institute uh, for six years when it first started. Um, that's the institute that trains priests exorcists. So the priests, the bishops send their priests there, and they train for the Ministry of Exorcism. And I was um, honored to be invited for the first six years of the institute to be on faculty as a case facilitator. Mm-hmm. And um, by that I mean... The cases are, it's very much like medical school or law school when you're looking at a situation and then learning how to deal with that situation. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. You know, it's a fascinating topic and one that I I think people can never get enough information about. I mean, you can read, but you always want to know more. But what struck me is how you say the family guide to the spiritual warfare, we know that the devil loves to divide families, and all he has to do is break down somebody's trust and 
the household is divided. He gets his foot in the door. So, and I think it's so timely for today because our teens are uh, growing up in a world with a lot of uh, diabolical distractions and temptations. Yes, and I'm so glad that you bring up that subject because um, there is a whole chapter in the book that I titled Unmasking Diabolical Disguises, and the book very much focuses on the domestic church. You know, I, I've worked and I know and am friends with, colleagues with many exorcist priests who have written excellent books um, that have helped, uh, you know, so many people, um, but I really focus this on the domestic church, how the devil uh, attacks marriages and mm-hmm. children, and so... In that chapter, in particular, um, the un, uh, unmasking diabolical disguises, I go into things that are ways that I have seen through experience that the enemy comes uh, into our domestic church, into our homes, and uh, targets the um, the teenagers in a, in a special way. So I think that uh, that is something I really wanted to offer uh, for parents to just be aware of because so many people are not aware of. And, you know, I, I know priests who tell me their stories of, you know, they would go, uh, they go to a parishioner's house because um, a son or a daughter was on the computer with a girlfriend or a boyfriend and uh, they started looking up demonic, uh, you know, things that were on the website and they started to do some of the um, curses, some of the, and, and, you know, conjuring up evil spirits. Mm-hmm. And then, lo and behold, the whole house began to have, um, you know, disturbances, demonic disturbances, and the priest had to come and offer a mass there. Mm-hmm. And the parents, you know, weren't aware of what their child was doing, um, you know, with a friend in their own bedroom. So we need to be very vigilant. And the book really does, um, I think, signal that, that vigilance is very necessary. The book is called A Family Guide to Spiritual Warfare, Strategies for Deliverance and Healing, and we're talking with the author, Kathleen Beckman. It is published by Sophia Institute Press, and their website is sophiainstitute.com. Uh, Kathleen, I, I remember one time reading, uh, and I, I'm gonna, I can't quote verbatim, but I think it was uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton who prophesied that, that there would eventually be a box. She, she saw a box in a home uh, through which she said the devil would enter. And of course, these were this was before TV and, and internet and everything else. But that's and even when we were growing up, we didn't have all this that is that now literally at your fingertips right. that the devil can use and Satan can use, especially on children. Um, you talk about in, in in your book understanding the spirits working for and against families and how we can respond to that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think. A lot of people don't even realize that there is, number one, a spiritual war going on, uh, but that they can become involved in it uh, unwittingly. Um, yes. Uh, you know, I in the beginning of the book, I talk about the importance of discernment of spirits. So um, that's something that we, the church has really um, benefited from the teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola. And so there's three spirits that we're discerning. And most of the time we're operating in the human spirit, and there's also the Holy Spirit. We really want to move and invite the Holy Spirit into our homes and move in the life and the spirit. And then um, there's the evil spirit. Mm-hmm. And so there's ways to discern that. Um, really, by the fruits, you should know them. And so in the book, there's a, there's a lot about discernment of spirits to help families 
to be aware of, you know, um, something that may be out of order in their own home. You referred to that prophecy about the box, the television. I will say this to your listeners and to you, that I want to say in at least 90% of the cases of exorcism and deliverance that I have seen in thir- across 13 countries over the last dozen years, 90% of them have to do with sexual sin, uh, and in particular, pornography. Mm-hmm. And so um, I talk in the book, I write in the book about hypersexuality in our culture. And so, um, you know, we've been desensitized from so much of that. But there's soft porn available when we're, you know, in billboards. And so um, pornography is a huge open door and invitation to evil spirits. They're very much attracted. It's like honey to bees. And so uh, it has been what I would think, uh, I would say in my personal experience, is pornography is one of the major scourges on families today. It's ruining marriages. And, you know, especially with, again, young people, and when we were growing up, you you didn't have all this, you know, if, if there was a, a, an adult magazine, it was in, wrapped in brown paper in the back room of a convenience store. You had an answer. But now, especially with these smartphones, I mean, these young kids can get anything they want. And as you say, it is it is certainly breaking up families in, in so many areas from, uh, and I, I think I remember reading, too, that the, the largest population of, uh, of people who pay and buy pornography are 11 to, 11 to 16-year-old boys. I mean, uh, so you can see the, 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 how the devil works in all this. But wh- why, the, why the family, uh, Kathleen? You know, why did you focus on the domestic church in this sense? Is, is this the, the core of, of the devil's target? Is this what he really wants to, to destroy? At the- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when I took the course in Rome um, from the Association of International Exorcist Courts, which very few lay people are privileged to, get a seat at. It's mostly for clergy, but my if you serve on a diocesan exorcist team, your bishop can petition for the lay person to come. And so the psychiatrist on our team, the doctor and I, we, we traveled to Rome. And it was there that my eyes were really um, open to how methodically the evil spirits plot against marriages and against children. And um, also I noted that in uh, almost 95% of the cases, again, when I, I'm the person that will uh, interact with the person who's petitioned for the church's ministry of healing and deliverance, and in their histories, because, you know, when you go to the doctor, you know that you fill out your history, right? Mm-hmm. The same type of thing happens when a person petitions the church for ministry of healing and deliverance. So there is usually a form of a history. How did you get to this point? You know, what may be the open doors? What is this rooted in? Uh, What is the problem? So, you know, there's a history, and I am the one to review that and begin to look at, well, what is the next step um, for the to get to this prayer session? And I noted that oftentimes um, the problem was rooted in uh, a very disordered, um, abusive, home uh, lifestyle uh, in, in the family, whether it's emotional abuse or physical sexual abuse um, from a parent or within the very home, uh, extended family, aunts, uncles, cousins, that kind of a thing. So it, it's very, um, you know, it's, it's, that's what really is 
the root of the problem. And also, you know, I quote Sister Lucia and the Sierra Fatima, Cardinal Amato at the um, course in Rome was one of the professors, and he reminded us of the letter that Sister Lucy wrote to the Cardinal Kafara about the uh, attack on the family that Satan's, you know, final uh, battle would be against marriage and families. And I think we see that mm-hmm. playing out in our culture. We absolutely do. What are some of the, the, the weapons that families have available to them to fend off these types of evil spirits entering into their homes? Well, I, I would encourage uh, families to really internalize the fact that you have baptismal spiritual authority. There is parental spiritual authority, and there is spousal spiritual authority. So you are praying, you know, be aware of the spiritual authority that God has empowered you by virtue of your baptism, by virtue of the sacrament of matrimony, by virtue of the fact that you have been gifted with, you know, grace with the children. And so um, utilize that spiritual authority in praying each day proactively. Uh, you know, we know the weapon of the rosary, but also, you know, be intentional about enlisting St. Michael the Archangel, prayers of deliverance like the St. Michael the Archangel prayer. Um, and I would just encourage the sacramental life, a prayer life, family prayer. Um, and, you know, sometimes in our families we tend to sweep under the rug if there's something that is, you know, we're not sure of. It seems like it's out of order. I would just encourage families to to not do that, to really, if, if a person in your family is isolating, is spending the time alone, it seems out of sorts, address it. Mm-hmm. Can let there be communication. I really encourage that in the book. I, I would imagine drugs also is another tool that the, the Satan uses. Absolutely. Because when oftentimes that's one of the major portals um, in a contract because if a family um, has been involved or anyone in a family has been involved in you know, sex trafficking trade or uh, drug cartels or drug trafficking, that kind of a thing, then in a way the, the evil spirits feel that they have a right over you because you're now in a in a um, sin lifestyle. Um, we all fall, we all sin, but when you when that becomes your life and you make a contract, if you will, to be in that kind of a, a lawless um lifestyle, well, then, of course, the enemy feels that he has permission to come in. We're talking with Kathleen Beckman. The book is called A Spiritual Guide to A Family Guide to Spiritual Warfare, Strategies for Deliverance and Healing. It's published by Sophia Institute Press, and their web address is uh, sophiainstitute.com. Uh, a fascinating topic, as, as Cheryl said, Kathleen, and, and I think... For those of us who are parents and grandparents, especially, I know every morning at, at my breakfast table I have a little a little prayer, a father's prayer for his family, and I like to pray that every morning as I begin my day to cover all of my 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 family, not just my children and grandchildren, but all of my family, uh, because there this is such a, an obvious battle that's being waged right waged right now that we, we I think a lot of people don't even like to admit that or accept that. Yes, um, I, I would agree with you, and I'm so grateful that you pray every morning. I really encourage, there's a lot in the book about fathers, because 
so often there is what we would call sometimes in healing and deliverance ministry the father wound, the absence of the experience of a father's love. And so uh, fathers who have been chosen by God to be the spiritual heads of the family can and really have an obligation to do so much to spiritually protect their, their loved ones. In the book, there's a whole appendix of prayers. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, but there's probably 30 pages of prayers right. where you can pray against generational curses. There's whole teachings on curses and blessings. The Father's blessing. There's prayers about, you know, praying for each member of your family. There's all, I really, you know, wanted to include um, many, many prayers that people could be using. Um, you know, against every evil, prayers of protection for the family, intercessory prayer for a person under demonic influence, you know, prayer for inner healing, and, and uh, a personal prayer for yourself, a prayer for the spouse, you know, that type of thing, yeah. leading the precious blood on the family. So there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. There was um, a woman I, I was friends with for, for ages before she passed, and uh, she used to tell me every day she would get up and pray to um, St. Michael, and there was another passage which I forget where in Scripture, but it was talking about putting on the full armor of God. As you Ephesians go. 6. Ephesians 6. Okay, yes. Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, real quickly, we only have about a minute left, but, but you mentioned generational healing. Is this something that people need to really take more seriously? You know, people wonder about their own, you know, things that are going on in your family right now, but... What is just? I know it's a big topic. You spent a whole a whole conversation on it, but what is that? What is what is generational healing? Well, that's because um, it's really what I bring about, and what the exorcists have been teaching is about generational curses. Um, those are very real generational curses. So you can pray. You know, the scripture teaches blessing overcomes curse. So then you want to sometimes, if it's Freemasonry curses, those are very intentional and dark. Um, curses and their Freemasonry has been, um, you know, practiced more than people realize um, in generational lines. So then, usually, a person will need to be um, have those curses, renounce uh, renunciation prayers, and those curses um, renounced through and with a priest. So I share I share all the details of that. There's a good deal about different levels of curses for most of us. The, if there have been some curses. I mean, and a curse is just sometimes it's as simple as ill will. Sometimes it's as malicious as enlisting um, because there's a lot of religious syncretism in families, but enlisting witches and occultists to uh, do something to do a curse against a loved one. That's very much uh, happening because of religious um, syncretism even within Catholic homes. Well, again, I wish we had more time, but, my friends, the book is called A Family Guide to Spiritual Warfare, Strategies for Deliverance and Healing. Uh, we've been talking with the author, Kathleen Beckman. It's published by Sophia Institute Press, and their web address, again, is sophiainstitute.com. And, uh, boy, what, a, what an important topic, what an important book, and we thank you, Kathleen, for sharing with us today. We appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your good work. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right, friends, you stay where you are. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. This is Monsignor John Kozar, National Director of the Pontifical Mission Societies in the United States. From an interminable Good Friday, Easter Sunday finally came. 
That was the experience of hundreds of refugees from Turek in the Sudan when they finally were able to return home. Their bishop watched them come back by bus, truck, and on foot. Immediately, he celebrated Mass for them. He reminded them, through the Eucharist, of the presence of God always in their broken hearts. In our own lives, we too must pass through times of suffering. But we realize there is hope, always looking beyond our Good Friday to the Lord's resurrection. It's a lesson from the missions. Brought to you by the Pontifical Mission Society. To learn more about becoming a missionary right where you are, visit our website at onefamilyandmission.org. Remember, if you're baptized, you're a missionary. Through prayer and sacrifice, in word and witness, we're all part of this one family and mission. It started like it does for many people, question my faith and question authority. And I feel that the reason why I left was the, the draw of the world. The world was pulling me away. Some people would say, you know, Satan was, you know, Satan was working on me. He did not want me in church. He wanted me to be desperate. He wanted me to have the thoughts of suicide. I started to realize that a lot of the things that I experienced in my life were a result of my rebellion against God and against authority. Coming back to the church is the first step in healing from all of the hurts of the world. I went from being desperate and in despair to finding hope and encouragement for, for the future. I'm on God's team. I, I know who I belong to. And I know where I'm going. And there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. All right, welcome back. I've got a this couple minutes left. Fascinating. A lot of uh, I've read as, as Catherine mentioned, a lot of great prayers in the back of that book yes. too. And then I just opened, and here's the leaders at the head of the line, working with Mary, devotion to your guardian angel, and Saint Michael. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're they're your frontline combat wars. Well, you know, uh, the devil, he, as, as Kathleen said, and as Sister Lucia wrote, you know, the, the, the final attack is going to be against the family, the marriage and the family. And we see that happening now. Absolutely. I mean, my goodness, oh, we see that happening all over. Redefine family, that's been around for how right. long? and all this that's Very going scary. on. Very scary, but, you know, kids, they think, oh, well, we'll get a Ouija board. Remember when we were young, they would sell that with the game? Mattel, games, I know, Mattel had it. Shoots and ladders, sorry, and the Ouija board. But the Ouija board, yeah. It's very real. I know, I know. It the doors. Open, and people don't realize that. I think they innocently open the door mm -hmm. and thinking it's harmless, and then, of course, yeah. The demons get in, and demons are very real, and uh, they're not, not, not. I remember Pope Francis said, "Never get into a conversation with the, with, the, with the devil." In other words, don't don't get into conversation with him because he's smarter than we are. Mm. And when you know, you can't try to negotiate or, or work with him, or you know, it just yeah. send him off with the with the, the precious the whole blood. Name of, yeah. yeah, and Mary, when you say the name of the Blessed Mother, he he runs. So. Yeah. A lot of tools that we and a lot of power we have at, at our disposal to uh, dispel him, but it, it's very real. And families, you know, are horribly under attack. Yeah. Well, even to the point where, well, the days you would wander the library or the um, Barnes and Noble or where your bookstore for young, I mean, tweens, they're not even teens yet, and these little twitches, like little girls that are that are little witches. And I thought it's just there was a book. Taunting. Didn't we mention a, a book? There was we found it somewhere um, on on spells. Yeah. There was a book of spells for children. Yeah. To, I mean, come on. To conjure up. I mean, 
You know, what parent in their right mind would give their children their job? You know, it's like the old bewitched days where Samantha Stevens oh, and, and Darren was still, you know. Yeah. This is real stuff. And, and uh, that's why I hate Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> that's bringing to us. Why I hate Halloween. Yeah, next Saturday. You know, it's harmless. Did you notice this year? I don't know if anyone else has noticed. Maybe because of the lockdown. Like, we're waiting for any holiday to over-decorate our house. I see more decorations of giant blow-up ghouls and Skeletons. hideous things mm-hmm. with arms coming out of the grass in the garden. It just seems like way, way, way overboard. I told you that. We, I, I don't know if you were there or not, but one time, one Halloween, some kid didn't have this ghoul's mask, and he pushed the button and blood came out of it. I said, I'm not giving you any candy. Get out of here. <laughs> it's, it's, that's In Go on, beat it. Yeah. <laughs> That was my last Halloween. Now I turn the lights out yeah. and hide in my family room. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, thankfully, <laughs> I'll be at Mass this Halloween. It's 5 o'clock now. And the Manfredonia household will be dark. Really dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I got to go. We got to go. Uh, enjoy your weekend, a beautiful fall weekend. And uh, I'll be back on Tuesday, God willing. We'll be back here next Friday, which is mischief night. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So lock up your toilet paper. Oh, yeah, that's right. Have a great God weekend. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in.